Wow. Good to see you today. And good to have you online. Isn't it better together? Amen. Amen. We are continuing our series on the Lord's Prayer. If you missed the previous sermons, you can get them on demand online on YouTube or or through our website, which will direct you to either Facebook or or, uh, YouTube. This morning, forgive us our debts, our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us or our debtors. A friend of mine asked me this week what I was preaching on, and I told them, and they said, oh, I changed that a long time ago. I said, what? (laughs) How do you change the Lord's Prayer? They said, oh, no, no. I said, forgive us our trespasses um, better than we forgive those who trespass against us. Better than. And I said, why would you change it? And she's and, and she said, well, I don't want God forgiving me the way I forgive others. Do any of us? And yet this part of the Lord's Prayer may be the most important part of the prayer for all of us. Forgive us our debts as we forgive the, our debtors. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Not questioning the knowledge that God through Jesus Christ has forgiven us. But give us the power, give us the grace, give us the ability to forgive others. Forgiveness was at the heart of Jesus' ministry. Forgiveness. This is why we see Jesus suffering on the cross. This is why we see Jesus dying. This is why Jesus died. Jesus came to forgive and to show us how to forgive each other. Jesus came to forgive and to show us how to forgive each other. Now, I want to say up front that the fifth petition of the Lord's Prayer is the most debated part of the Lord's Prayer. And in some ways, for this very reason, as we forgive others, is there a limit On God's forgiveness. So I want to focus on Matthew chapter 6 verse 12. But also expand our examination this morning. To take a look at another challenge that was read for you from Luke. As well as including what Paul says in Colossians chapter 3. About the qualities of the Christian life. Let us pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength, our redeemer. May these words be your words, and for all the words that I don't speak, I pray, O God, that you would fill in the gaps, that your holy word would be spoken and heard this morning. Amen. It is the most debated part of the Lord's Prayer, and yet... Does it mean that if I don't forgive, that I can't be forgiven? Well, that's a big question. Now, remember here that we are asking God for forgiveness. Forgive us, God. And and Jesus is not in this prayer making an attempt to define God's forgiveness. In fact, if if we look at the Greek, the word translated depths 
athalimata, which literally means dues or obligation, in practice means transgressions. In fact, there are transgressions that are the most difficult to forgive. That's what Jesus is teaching us to pray. And I think this especially meant something to Matthew, who was a tax collector. Tax collectors in that day were those who were known for their unethical, coercive behavior. They were outcast. They were seen to be sinners. Yet Matthew received that forgiveness. And for Matthew, nothing would ever be the same again. Father... Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. It is both a a request and a declaration. Father, forgive us, but it's also a declaration of what we're going to do. It is asking for God's forgiveness and a declaration, and almost, although it's not, uh, not direct in the Greek, a promise to forgive. Now, why the debate? Okay, well, all of us know our deep need to be forgiven. That's not up for debate. We all know the flawed nature of, our, of who we are and what we have done. That's not up for debate. The debate revolves around verse 14. Now, if you have your Bible open, you can take a look there that the Lord's Prayer is finished. Okay? And then Jesus adds these words. He says... If you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Many have used verse 14 along with the phrase in the Lord's Prayer, Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. As a, it's, it's used as a spiritual hammer to hammer in guilt. <sighs> to say if we don't forgive, then God can't forgive us. And I'm, I want to just say to you right up front that Jesus, this is not Jesus' intent. This is not the place where salvation is, is outlined nor declared. We are justified by God and forgiven of sin by grace through faith and the atoning work of Jesus Christ on the cross. As Paul said in Ephesians 2.8, For by grace you've been saved. By grace it is not any of your own doing but a gift from God. We can be forgiven. Now, so what is Jesus saying here? So what is he saying when he says, if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And what's interesting about this passage is that (laughs) it is structured in the Greek like you would be telling a joke. Well, that's kind of weird. Forgiveness is not a joking matter, certainly in in the mouth of Jesus. But as we research further, that same structure is used to make emphasis, to highlight, to put an exclamation point. And further, when Jesus uses the word that's translated trespasses, it's it's a, a word that's used in jokes, 
called blunders. And when he uses the word heavenly father, it's in the case of someone else's heavenly father. So what's going on here? Well, what is Jesus trying to say? Well, when we take the passage as a whole, Jesus is putting an exclamation point behind forgiveness. God's willingness to forgive us for all things, exclamation point. Our need to forgive others, exclamation point. Jesus is underlining, highlighting, emphasizing what forgiveness can mean to us. So, now, (laughs) you know, kind of our own guilt and our own struggle with this is further highlighted by Jesus' words as recorded in Luke chapter 6. Do you remember what Josh read for you? For those... For love your enemies, do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Any bankers in here? You're afraid to raise your hand now, aren't you? (laughs) Yeah, the bankers are afraid because they're going, that person's going to come into my bank tomorrow and go, look what Jesus said. So what do we do? What do we do? Here is a, a metaphor that, that I, I can't remember who, who shared it with me, but I, I think it's, it, it's so appropriate for this. <clears throat> Holding on to past bitterness and hurts, refusal to forgive, is like riding a bicycle downhill without brakes. We can pedal, but we can't stop. And, and, and the faster we go, the harder it is, and, the no, and we know that the harder we're going to fall. So what if you do get revenge? What then? Are you released from pain? Does resentment disappear? Does the open wound suddenly close over and heal itself? No. Refusing to forgive is like riding a bicycle downhill without brakes, and there's only bad things that can happen. So what do we do? In Paul's letter to the church of Colossae, he's dealing with the church that's under some kind of attack. He doesn't identify it. We don't know whether it's false teaching. We dealt with one passage of uh, Colossians a few weeks ago, and we kind of went through some of the history of Colossians. Um, But he does deal with some critical, basic concepts of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And in chapter 3, he outlines qualities that we as Christians can follow. And, And as I was working on this sermon, it suddenly dawned on me that these are the qualities, if we practice them, makes us softer to forgive. These are are the qualities that prepare us for forgiveness. In in verse 12, it says, As God's chosen, holy ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourself with compassion, 
kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. He didn't use the word forgiveness. And yet, the more compassionate we are, the more kind we are, the more we are humble, the more we show meekness and patience, we prepare ourselves for that moment of freeing ourselves and another. Leading up this passage, Paul makes it clear that we are loved by God, that there is no other love greater than the love of God. And through this love, through God's love, not by our own ability, we can take on these qualities, that we can be like Jesus. And these are the, these are the at the heart of, of repentance and the foundation of forgiveness. Just look at them. Okay, Compassion. What is compassion? In the Greek, it means relentless tenderness. Husband and wives, relentless tenderness. Parents and children, relentless tenderness. At work, it's not exactly a value that our culture that. Uh, promotes these days, is it? And yet it is a value that builds up and multiplies relentless tenderness towards suffering, the miserable, the rejected, the abandoned. Was, was Christ any more or less compassionate toward the rich young ruler than he was the young woman caught in the act of adultery? I don't think so. Kindness. Kindness is that which we show to another person. And in the Greek, it refers to both the small as well as the grand gesture of kindness. And really, it's a condition of the heart. We don't do, well, sometimes I guess we do kind things because we want to get something back, you know. We're human beings, for goodness sakes. The kindness at its best is about this right here, isn't it? It's in the heart before it becomes an action. Humility and gentleness really are one of the same. For you, unless you are humble, unless you have humility, you cannot be gentle. Gentleness is the action of humility. And again, the world doesn't devalue that at all today, does it? In the workplace, does it? You know, we're, we're taught to be strong and hard, strict. And I think there should be boundaries. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that we shouldn't have boundaries in life and hold each other accountable. And yet, we can with humility and gentleness that would change our whole culture. It would change Washington It would change Austin. It would change our schools. It would change our churches. It would change our homes. And then finally, patience. Strictly defined, it is self-restraint. Self-restraint that kind of stands at a barrier 
to let our rational brain catch up to our reaction to what may be happening to us. Here's what Jesus said on the cross at Calvary. Do you remember the words? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. There was no questioning the reality of Jesus' wounds in that moment. Jesus was dying. There was no doubting the pain and injury that he had suffered. He was dying. And there was no doubting that Jesus was innocent. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now, I want to say this this morning. I want to just be real clear about pain. God doesn't doubt our pain or our injury. It does not deny the reality of injustice. God does not refute the fact that at times we are innocent. We are the victims. God does not trivialize pain or the injury of injustice. But what I think that what Paul is trying to say to us as we read through the entire New Testament, we're reminded again and again that forgiveness is so important as a process of growing in Christ. It is a series of steps, some of which we need to repeat over and over again. It is the restoring of an attitude of love and the releasing of a painful past. It repudiates revenge and opens us to the future that God might have for us. It is costly and it is hard. It is not tolerance. Forgiveness is not tolerance. It is not make-believe that we make believe that something has not happened. It is release. Release. So what are we going to do with our debts, with those who have trespassed against us? What are we going to do with our pain, the injustice, the, the hurt? How are we going to answer the question that is really at the core of what Jesus is trying to teach us throughout the New Testament? Because the answer that we give determines who we are as a follower of Jesus Christ. It determines what our future is going to be as a follower of Jesus Christ. And it defines our witness. It defines our witness. What did they say about the early church followers? What did they say? See how they love one another. You cannot love without forgiveness. Um. Tom Yancey, in his book, What's So Amazing About Grace, Philip Yancey, excuse me, in his book, What's So Amazing About God's Grace, talks about Ernest Hemingway. Ernest Hemingway grew up in a strict evangelical family. And, and we would think, well, that's a good thing. But in Hemingway's family, his parents defined it as strict and judgmental. Void of love. He was held to a certain standard of rules. Rarely felt the love of his mother and father. 
grew up rarely even knowing how to receive that love. Hemingway tells a story that kind of had had an impact on him, and Yancey doesn't know whether it changed him or not, but obviously, because he told the story again and again, it had an impact. It was about a father from Madrid, Spain. Father and a son had had an argument. The father had left home without speaking. Weeks had gone by, and the father, full of remorse and full of, and full of wanting to reconnection with his son, put this in the paper, in the El Libro, the most popular paper there. He said, Paco, meet me at Hotel Matata at noon on Tuesday. All is forgiven, Papa. When the father arrived at the square, hoping to see his son, 800 Pacos. 800 Pacos had come hoping to find their fathers. Now, I don't know whether Paco's that much of a popular name or whether there are a massive number of us who are in need of forgiveness and are in need to forgive. Maybe you're there this morning. I got to tell you, that's what we're about. That's what this place, the church... It's about, we were about the forgiveness of God and about teaching again and again till we become a broken record. Go out and forgive. Go out and give grace. Go out and be the, the mouthpiece of our Father in heaven who says, forgive them, Father for they know not what they do. So we have a choice this morning. We can choose to live in bondage, in bitterness. Or we can choose to live in freedom and forgiveness. Let us all pray together, O Lord God. May no more my past dictate my life and my future. Make me today your creation, your new creation. We're going to have Holy Communion.